Welcome to Bell Interrupted. Are you out of your damn mind? You get to drink from the fire hole! This is an embarrassment, a disgrace! What? What's the matter, kid? You got wax in your ears? Don't do it! You got Tammy and Parker! <laughs> Hello and welcome to Phone Erupted, the show where I get to do whatever I want while dealing with the constant antics of Smash. We can reel movies, video games, and who knows what else. Episodes can be spooky, too oddly informative, downright stupid. I am your host, Phil Allen, and I do welcome you to the show. Today's show is going to be spooky and oddly informative. I was lucky enough to score an interview with two really great guests from the White Hill Mansion. You say, ooh, what is that? Well, we're going to get into it. Here's my interview with Dawn and Kyle. All right, so we are here today to talk about the White Hill Mansion. This is a spot located in Fieldsboro, New Jersey. It has a lot of history in this place and some paranormal stuff as well. And uh, we have two great guests here today that I'm very happy they've made the, uh, the trip to come on the show. They're live here in the studio, and uh, these are two of the people that are best that are going to be able to tell us a lot about the history and uh, all the fascinating aspects of the White Hill Mansion. So we're going to jump right into it. Welcome Don and Kyle to the show. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing good. So we're going to, what we're going to do here today is these guys know everything, like I said, about this uh, White Hill Mansion, which sounds like a, it sounds like that should be a movie title, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. The White Hill Mansion. It's got a great name. It really does. I'd actually kind of... Let's actually start about that. How did it get the name White Hill Mansion? Where'd that come from? Well, the name came from... Uh, the White Hill was named that because uh, it used to be an apple orchard. Um, and when you came down the river, you would see all the white trees on top of the hill. So everyone associated it with that. And that's how the name came, White Hill. That is really cool. Yeah. Back in the deeds, even back in the early 1700s, it was called the White Hill. So we think that it might even predate before the apple orchards. Really? Mm, Commodore Barry has a book um, that was taken from his diary writings. And he specifically mentions where the ships were scuttled at the White Hill and that he would stay at the White Hill. So you're going way back to the 1700s with that name. Whew. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like I said, this this building has... Just an unbelievable amount of history, which is, I was fascinated. Um, I was lucky enough to actually go on like a, a paranormal tour, and that's how I met these fine folks uh, when I was there. And they gave us like a really great tour of the building and stuff, so I think we should sort of go into that, kind of talk about room by room and different cool, interesting things. But before we jump into that, I was actually kind of curious how you guys specifically got involved. Like, how do you, how did you fall into working in a build like a haunted building historic building like that how did that happen um well for me uh my grandparents actually used to work there when it was a restaurant and my dad actually used to wash dishes so i always heard uh about the mansion but never really knew what it was wow no kidding yeah and you know i never associated with how close because i'm from the local area bordentown resident okay so one day i was just driving by and just happened to see it and that rest is pretty much history just came to volunteer and got hooked Wow, that's crazy. Your family was yeah. associated with yep. it. That's really interesting. Yeah, in the early 70s. Now, that's we'll get to it later, I'm sure, but that yes. was was that the German restaurant? Yeah, it? yeah, it was one of the German, yeah, it was the German restaurant. Okay, cool. Yep. What about you, Don? How'd you get involved? I went on a ghost hunt there in 2010, so one of our members had 
looked up historic houses in New Jersey and found it and called the mayor at the time and he agreed to let us in. So we walked in the door and we set up for an investigation and we barely started. We started getting disembodied voices and bangs and it was one of the crazier investigations. That was it. I fell in love. Wow. And that was like the first time somebody's really been in the house for a long time, right? Yeah. I had heard that there were investigations here and there before, but not that many. But I had approached the board and asked them, um, I wanted to volunteer, and I wanted to open up a paranormal program mm. to help them raise money. For That's the something research. they didn't have at the time. They were Correct. It was kind of just abandoned, I'm taking more or less at that time. Yeah. There was nothing going on there. Um, so it took probably about 14 months to convince them because Ooh, that's one, of, one of the board not members, an easy sell huh no, no <laughs> not at all i had convinced all of the board members except for one who said i don't believe in ghosts mm-hmm. and i said do you believe in money because i'm just trying to raise you money yeah so let other people believe in ghosts believe you, in whatever you want and you believe in money I had my husband go talk to him. I said, well, maybe if a man talks to a man, maybe he'll listen to you a little better. And finally they said, okay, we'll give you a try. And that was nine years ago. So we've cool. Been, we've been doing pretty good. Yeah. You know, we did Paranormal Lockdown a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was a big and, show for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. did a couple of shows this year. So yeah, we're moving forward. Yeah, we definitely, we have a lot of people come from all over. We had a team from Los Angeles come in to do investigations. No kidding, and, wow. New York, Connecticut, all over. Yeah, I mean, just the site of this building, really, you know, it's it looks like it could be haunted. Yeah, it really does. Just the look of it, it it has its. You know, let's let's be honest. It's not quite in the best shape. It looks it looks it shows its age, and it definitely looks like a like a creepy mansion for sure. When I saw it for the first time, I was like, oh boy. This could be an interesting night. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has that vibe to it. Yeah, it does. When I first approached the board on my on my personal vision on where it could go, um, I just said, you do, you guys don't even realize what you have. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, we have an old dumpy building that we're trying to save. I'm like, yeah, but on the plus side, it's actually haunted. We can work with this. Like the ambiance is so cool. The peeling paint is so cool. It is really cool. Mm-hmm. Everything it about really... it, the atmosphere of the place is awesome. And then when you walk in and you get a tap on the shoulder or a disembodied voice next to you, yeah. it's a nice experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when I when I first saw it, I've been to quite a few different places now doing the different paranormal ghost hunts and all that stuff. And every spot is unique and is cool, but I definitely really enjoyed this one. And specifically learning so much about the history uh, really made it come to to life more for me. Some of the other ones I walked in didn't know nothing about, just sort of hoping you hear something, yeah. see something. And this one, hearing all the history, I was like, oh wow! Like, there's definitely this is there's got to be something going on here. There's so much mm-hmm. that's happened here. So the house is on the historic register of New Jersey, and we have an application in to become a national historic site. And the history of the house goes back to the Revolutionary War, um, the Industrial Age. Uh, right up to entrepreneurship. So you have 300 years of so much history. And yeah. it's, it's America embodied into one story. Yeah, it pretty much encompasses the whole American history. All right, so let's jump into some of that history. So what do you got for us, guys? Take us on a virtual tour oh, of the White Hill Mansion. Lord. Let's okay. do it, guys. Just start on the outside, right? The exterior and then move in. Yeah, we could do that. Um, let's see. That's actually two buildings put together. So the oldest part of the building was built in 
1723, well, even before that, the land was originally purchased in 1677. So there was other buildings on the land. Tenant farming, stuff like that. And before that, it was a Lenape Indian winter settlement. So that land's been used for a very long time. It's always had some form of habitation. That's a, now on the building, it actually it says seventeen twenty three. I guess that's when they finished the initial. Well, that's when Robert Fields the first built the original house. Now, whether we don't, I guess I should say we don't know how much of that original house is still there. The bigger part of the mansion was built in sixteen. I'm sorry, seventeen sixty. Okay. All right, and then the two houses were joined together. We believe around eighteen hundred. Between hmm. 1799-1800. So the discussion is, is that just the foundation from the 1723 house or was it revised over time? So the interesting thing is when you go through the house is what did it look like in the 1700s? What did it look like in the 1800s? What did it look like in the 1900s? Yeah. Because it changed throughout the years. So when I give a tour and I'm talking about the history, I envision in my head what it looked like throughout these different time periods as I tell the story. Mm. Um, sometimes I forget people are in front of me, and I go yeah. on tangents yeah. a little bit. <laughs> tangents are good. Yeah, Kyle's always there, like, bring mm-hmm. it back to reality. <laughs> bring it back to reality. Um, so there were three generations of Fields that lived in the house. Fieldsboro is named after the Fields family. Um, the story really begins in 1775. Robert Fields II was married to Mary Peel Field. She was pregnant with their seventh child at the time. Whoa. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they were Quakers. I don't know how good Quakers they were because they did have slaves. So we know they definitely had they had servants, and at least two of the servants were slaves. So technically, you know, that's not cool for a Quaker. They're not supposed to be involved in any kind of conflict, but we do know that he was part of the Correspondence Committee, which was a secret society that would write letters um, in protest. I did hear that there was a letter from Robert Field II over in England that they still have. I'd love to see that someday. But in January of 1775, he went to a secret meeting by boat, and he never came home. Um, His body washed ashore five days later in Ben Salem. Um, They couldn't prove he was murdered, but he did have a giant gash on his head and water in his lungs. Technically, it was ruled um, an accidental drowning. However... His manservant changed his story a few times, so nobody really believes that story. Mm. Unfortunately, let, left his wife a widow, mm-hmm. um, and the war pretty much broke out in her front yard. So Mary Field was in charge of eight. I'm sorry, Mary Field was in charge of 600 acres of land. That is incredible. Right off the bat, I remember yeah. when you were telling me this the when I was at the the actual building. 600 acres? 600 acres. That's incredible. And on on top of that, she had a ferry business, a tavern down the road, kind of like a hotel, a whole bunch of different shipping companies. Yeah, She was was running this town. She was. They were running this town. Yeah, they had a lot of uh, pool in the community. Yeah, it sounds like it. 600 acres. That blew me away. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine what she went through. If you think about... You know, we look back on the Revolutionary War and and we won and people think, oh, yeah, we went. Yeah, we want to break with Britain and it was over. People don't realize that that war lasted eight years and they didn't know how it was going to come out and no idea. Mm -hmm. Most people thought it it was a small rebellion that was going to be crushed at any time. 
And a lot of people in New Jersey was caught right in the middle of that mm. when the British occupied Bordentown, basically. Mm-hmm. So the story goes that the American Navy came to her tavern and uh, probably commandeered her wheat and her flour because that's what you did during wartime. You know, you took what you could for your troops. Mm-hmm. And she had dinner with one of the captains and her loyalist neighbor kind of spilled the beans like, you know, I saw Mary having dinner with Captain so-and-so, and the next thing you know, the British are knocking on her front door saying, we want to search your property. We want the keys to all your buildings, and we want to take a look around. And basically, she yelled out of her window, we want no part of your war. Just get off my property. Mm-hmm. And because she was a woman of means, they did. Um, one of the soldiers broke in the back door. Wait, they actually listened to her? Back then, a person of high status, you would huh. give a lot more respect. Interesting. Than, yeah somebody else um apparently not everybody listens because one of the soldiers broke in the back door and started running through the house kicking in the doors looking for people hiding um we know this from a letter that she wrote to her sister um that the soldier scared the bejesus out of her mom who was upstairs nursing her sick daughter molly at the time who was very very deathly ill at the time um was this in the sick room we don't know. Yeah, Isn't there, there's a sick room, sure. right? Yeah. yeah, we're not 100% <laughs> sure where it was. But even the sick room is a theory. Right, speculation. Okay. Yeah, as yeah, we cause... go through the house, there's a lot of guesses as we go through. Mm-hmm. And, and at that time, the houses weren't put together yet, so it's kind of hard to gauge where it would be. Even the staircase. We're not even sure yeah. exactly which staircase the soldier would have run up to. We only know where Mary Field's room is. Yeah, it's that's really pretty the much only... that yeah. in the parlor. Correct, yeah. So, yeah, she, so guys are breaking in, yeah, checking she, it out. So she did talk the soldier into leaving. How she did that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know that part of the story. Um, and two days later, the Hessians knocked on our front door and said, we want to use this as our camp for a couple of weeks. And, you know, basically she said, what if I say no? And they were like, well, I could say no, but if the house burns down, you know. <laughs> right, what you, not on us. Yeah, what are you going to say when like uh, a group of soldiers yeah. show up? Like it's uh, kind of put in a tough place there. Yeah, and the right. Hessians at that time they were like uh, high, highly trained, you know, almost like special forces at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were very feared. Yeah, the Hessians really don't get the respect that, from our point of view as Americans, that they should have had. Because yeah, they, they were a highly trained professional military force. Were they like the hired guns for them? For, yeah, for the British, yeah, essentially. And yeah. my my history is a little a little fuzzy here. Is that are they? Well, what are they Switzerland, Germany? Where German. are they from? Yeah, they German. German. Okay. Germany wasn't really a country. It was just a bunch of provinces. So the king of Hesse used to sell out his soldiers. He had a, he had a lot of money. Um, he did face some criticism about letting so much of his army go overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he cared because he was making a lot of money. Yeah. You know the interesting thing is that the. The higher ups in the armies didn't get there by their skill. They got there because their parents had money and paid for their commission. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting when you look back in history is that there's a lot of incompetence there too. You know, as you look back, mm. um, certainly um, Carl von Donop didn't make some very good choices during the Revolutionary War, and he wound up getting we're all killed during the Battle of Trenton. But uh, Carl von Donop did come and have tea with Mary Fields in the parlor twice during that time period. Captain Rendon had come in with an entourage. He had a cook. He had his tailor. He had his doctor. He had all his people come in and take over the house. Wow. 
now. It's a hot shot came in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the so, big guns. Maryfield, I mean, you had to be a gracious lady. The the thinking, if anybody out there reads Jane Austen, knows that a woman's place was to accept her fate. So if th- this is what was happening, she had to accept it and uh, make the best of it. So in her writings, she credits a lovely little Dutchman um, for saving her daughter's life. So his doctor actually went and took care of Molly and she got better. Oh, okay. Oh, she did. Okay. So Mary Field had seven children. Only three of them lived to adulthood. Um, or oh. She only outlived one of them. So it was a tough time. Different times, right? Yeah. Definitely. Wow. It's hard to imagine that in this day and age. Yeah, we That's take crazy. a lot of stuff for granted. Yeah. Wow. In a world without antibiotics. Yeah. You know, yeah simple medicines and simple, you know, techniques. Yeah. Well, at least this one doctor was able to help. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we don't specifically know what was wrong with her. We just know that she was pretty sick for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but they stayed until the Battle of Trenton. Now, like I said, if, if anybody out there knows the story of the widow of Mount Holly, it's one of the mysteries of the Revolutionary War. So apparently, um, Colonel Carl von Donop was in charge of his regiment, and they were stationed in Bordentown, but it was Christmas. So he wound up hooking up with some down in Mount Holly, <laughs> and he wasn't around when Washington crossed the Delaware. Right. So during that battle, his counterpart, Raoul, was killed. Um, I believe he was probably killed because Von Donop was getting some nookie down in Mount Holly. Yeah. You know, and we know this story from a diary from one of the Hessian soldiers <laughs> um, that was found years after the war over in Germany. Wow. Yeah, yeah and there's, we there's rumors that the a lot of the women during the revolutionary time, it was like a spy ring to distract the higher upper echelon of the military for the American side. Really? Yeah. So they were willing participants, yes, and I'm yeah, using there's, quotations. There's rumors. There's nothing really proven. People are doing a lot of research, but yeah, they, that's what they think. There was a lot of uh, women spies, basically. Yeah, undercover. Yep. How can we keep these guys off, you know? Off filter. Right, yep. right. Yeah. Yeah, and women can do that to men, let's be honest. Yeah. They can do that, so. Well, if if you look at that time period, most people before the occupation in New Jersey were loyalists. Um, but what happened was is that the, the British were pretty rough-handed with New Jersey citizens, and that's when things started changing because they were very angry because Americans were considered second-class citizens. Mm. They, they felt that they were British and that they were equal to people actually from Britain. But what they found out is that they were being treated as second-class citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, And during that occupation, when you had a soldier living in your house and treating you like you were a piece of dirt, mm. yeah, yeah, things left, started to change. Left a bad one. taste in your mouth. Yeah. And then when they started burning Bordentown and after the Battle of Trenton, things really changed. Yeah. When they talk about that changed everything. There were many, many parts of that story after the Battle of Trenton. So, I mean, Mary Fields was a very smart woman. She learned how to work the system over time. She had a protection order from the Hessians. She had a protection order from the British. Damn. And she had a protection order from the Americans. (laughs) She's working all angles. Yep. Smart woman. That's why the house is still there today. Yeah. Because of her. Now, we know where her loyalties lie because in 1779, she remarried. And she remarried a man named Thomas Reed. And he went on to become the country's first Commodore. 
So he was in the American Navy with some guy named John Barry, who went on to become Commodore Barry. So I'm sure you guys all heard of that bridge over in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's Named known as... Him. Yeah, okay. And he's known as the father of the American Navy. And his... He was friends with Thomas Reed for a long time. And during the war, they were ordered to scuttle two of their ships at the White Hill. And that was the Washington and the Effingham. Hmm. Unfortunately, they were scuttled the wrong way, which is a very interesting controversy in itself. But we believe at that time that that's when Merrifield met Thomas Reed. And... uh we can talk about this later, but we think his spirit is still there. We've had a couple yeah, of encounters. With we definitely him. have. Yeah, let's talk about it now. What happened? Okay, why not? Yeah, let's do it. Well, if you go into the house, there are two areas of the house that have what are they called on the ship? Portholes, like, okay. like the porthole windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those it little circular looks, windows. Yeah, they look very nautical in the house, and they're kind of like out of place when you see them. You're like, why is that there? But we think it's it's like an ode to Thomas Reed because. He loved the ocean. He was a Commodore naval officer. So, and there's three of them in the house, correct? Two. Yeah, there's one in the second floor bathroom, and then there's one, one the going basement. down the yeah. going down to the basement. That yeah. is a kind of an interesting yeah. thing to add into a house. It you is. don't see that. It's not. It's, we're not that close to the ocean that you no. would be like a beach house or something. No, and there's That's no other. Weird. There's no other nautical stuff really in the house. It's like the only thing. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. The other interesting thing about Thomas Reed was, you know, back then you would. Get, a woman would marry a man and go live with him at his estate. He abandoned his estate and came to live at White Hill because he had fallen in love with it. So a few EVPs that we have gotten on yeah. the stairway yeah, yeah, yeah. would be, what is your name? And we've gotten Thomas. This is consistent several times over. Sure. Did you live here? Yes. Why do you stay? I like it here. So, I mean, you're putting a lot into it. There was probably many, many Thomases in 300 years. Um, so it's a theory that it's him. Do we know it for a fact? No. Right, right. We but, do know that he actually, he died in the house. Okay. Yeah, he lived there to the day he died. Okay. So, very possible, I guess. Wow. That's really cool. I'd like to hear that someday. Do you still have a recording of that? Not me. I would have to find out the group who had it. Oh, that's cool, though. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, but we've had multiple groups come through, even with different, not even EVPs, like spirit boxes and stuff, and get the word Thomas, you know. So, I mean, is it him? We don't know, but it is pretty consistent. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. To it's not in. unusual to hear footsteps going up and down the stairs in the basement, too. I've mm-hmm. heard that many, many times. Yeah, we've been given tours in the basement, and we've heard the front door open, and it almost sounds like, like boots, like heavy footsteps, and then they stop. Really? Yeah, it's pretty. And everyone is in the basement. No one's up there. And sometimes we even yell up, like, uh, we know we're down the basement if anyone wants to join the tour, and no one says anything. So Nothing. it's, it's kind of cool when it happens. Mm-hmm. I was on the second floor with a ghost group, and uh, I heard the front door open and close, and footsteps walking across the hall. And I thought maybe somebody from that group was late, so I yelled down, we're on the second floor. Yeah. And there was no answer. So I said, hold on a second. And I went over, and I looked down the steps. I was like, hello, hello. I went down, there's no one there. So I came up and I said, did you guys hear that? And they were like, no. And I'm like, okay, either one, only I heard it, or number two, you're not really good ghost hunters, you know? (laughs) Um, But then just a moment later, there were footsteps up the stairs, walking around the hall, and it stopped right behind me. And then a Oh, oh my neck! Wow! And then everybody in the group's like, "I heard that." I'm like, "Yeah, I felt that because all the hair on the back of my neck was standing up." I was yeah, like, that uh, that upstairs hallway has its moments. I mean, I've been in there 
turning off lights. And when you walk through the hallway, I almost felt like somebody was like right behind you, like almost like on your heels. And it's not like a negative feeling, but it's just like someone's there with you. And it's it's weird. It comes and it goes. Sometimes I was just going to say that you get freaked out. I usually don't because I, I don't get the sense that anything's there is like angry or negative or they're just they're just curious and they're just still there. I th- I think they just love the place as much as, you know, we do. And mm-hmm. they just want to stay around and see what's going on. And when you heard this breath, Dawn, were you like, did you like turn back like real quick? Like, no, because I knew what it was. I've had encounters with it before. You know, not to say that my body didn't get all freaked out and creepy. Yeah. But I know what it is. So we just kind of continue. It's weird because when I give a tour and something happens, I try not to react because I'm always afraid someone will react to my reaction and get freaked out or run out. So, you know, I'll be giving tours and I'll have something talking in my ear while I'm giving a tour and I just ignore it. Almost like, yeah, not now. Talk to me later. Whoa. Because I, first of all, if I told my tour, hey, something's talking in my ear, number one, they're going to think I'm schizophrenic. <laughs> I'm full of crap or I'm trying to make it more interesting. So I don't want to do that. I try to keep it to the history with maybe a little bit of paranormal. So if something majorly paranormal happens, I tend to ignore it Mm -hmm. because I don't want people running out of the house. Because I think as much as I find the paranormal part really cool, I find the history part so much more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Definitely. Yeah. That's kind of what drew me to the house too. All these important people, especially during the revolutionary time period, that history kind of forgot about you know like robert fields no one really knows what he did yeah. you know thomas reed you don't hear a lot about him so that's right what really drew me to the to the story of the white hill mansion yeah i mean if robert field ii wasn't murdered we really think that he would have been one of the signers of the declaration of independence okay and the whole history of the house the whole trajectory of the history would have changed so right yeah you know the fields family were very tight with the stockton family and Richard Stockton is one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Now, out of Mary's three surviving children, two of them married into the Stockton family. Mm. So Abigail Stockton married Robert Field III, and Molly married Richard Stockton Jr. Jr. So, and one of the more interesting things in history is back then, women didn't inherit. So when Thomas Reed died, Mary's Field's second husband, the house passed on to her son. So her son moved in along with his mother-in-law. So Annis Boudinay Stockton was the country's first poet laureate. She was George Washington's um, pen, pen pal. pal. Very close friend. There's a lot of correspondence we have between Annis Boudinay Stockton and George Washington. Oh, wow. We got yeah, It's really cool. Wow. Right. Our founding so, father's pen pal in the house. Yeah. That's cool. So, so Abigail... Moved into the house with Annis Boudinay Stockton. Mary Field moved in with her daughter over to Morven. Annis Boudinay Stockton and Mary Field switched houses. Now, the rumor is that they did not like each other very much. Mm. I mean, that had to be hard, too, for Mary Fields, if you think about it. It would have been hard for anybody. She lost her husband in the house, you know, went through the whole Revolutionary War in the house, and then had to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Did all that to protect it, to save it, you know, and try to stay neutral and, you know. And then have to leave it and give it to your. Yeah. Somebody that you don't even like yeah. that well. Yeah. I could see how that could uh, not sit well. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary Field wound up passing away over, you know, over in Princeton. We're not even sure where she's buried. Annis uh-huh. um, A. Stockton wound up coming to, to White Hill and then passing away there, you know. And then uh, Robert Fields third. We don't know a lot about him, but we do know that uh, he mismanaged a lot of his money. 
He's the one that put the two houses together. Yes. Now, that's an interesting thing real quick, just for people listening. Like you said, there was that original building that got put up. 1723. Yeah. And then there's one next to it, but there's like this little, I don't know, like an outcove kind of thing that like combines the two. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's it's kind of cool. The You know, back in the day when they used to do that, they would, the 1723 house, they would keep it up and build a house right next to it. And normally what they would do is build a bigger house and then knock the other house down. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. for some reason, they kept them both there, and then Robert III put them both together. Yeah, and when you combined them, now you've got, like you said, a mansion. A mansion. Yeah, his, exactly. His idea was to make it, bring it back to the grandeur that it was when his father and mother lived there. Yeah. So, And it's a large house, even by today's standards. I could only imagine back then, you'd be like, whoa, yeah. yeah. Like you said, there's some money here, there's some mm-hmm. prestige here. Sure. Yeah. And if you've ever been to the, say, the Betsy Ross house down in Philadelphia, it's tiny. I, Houses I, were tiny. I think I went there on a school trip, like a yeah. grade school trip, long time ago. That's yeah. what we think the original 1723 house was more like. You know, very small, sure. very minimalistic. Yeah. Unfortunately, Robert Field III took out a lot of loans to do this and got himself in big financial trouble. Oh, okay. So what wound up happening was um, they sold off a lot of bits of land through sheriff sale. And they actually sold the house through sheriff sale. That's when the Stockton stepped in and bought the house back for him. Basically, the deal was is that Robert Fields III could stay there until the family had passed away, but then they would sell it. So after Robert Fields III, uh, the house went through a lot of different owners after that. And that's really how Fieldsboro began, because once those lots started selling off and other people started building their family lots on that land, that's when the town started forming. Yeah, because 600 acres is going to... Fieldsboro is a very small town, by the way. Yes. Very small town. It's 540 people. It's the smallest borough in New Jersey, I think. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. makes sense. Um, because I live in Bordentown, and I didn't even know what Fieldsboro was. Like I was like, huh? What is yeah. that? It's it's very small, and to have 600 acres on this small area, that's going to be the, the town. town. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, once you said they started selling off some parts of it, a town or some few streets could spring up and... More people could move in because until then it was just all the mansion's property. Yeah, yeah it was the almost like a plantation, you know, yeah. like big farmland. And like I said, it goes right down to the Delaware River. Yep. So uh, what's next here? Where 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 will we go next? Well, let's take a tour of the house. Let's do it. All right. Start in the parlor. We will start in the parlor. When you first walk through the porch through the front door and make a right and go into the parlor, one of our I guess I should say one of the nine fireplaces in yeah, the house. Yeah, one of the nine. We had just recently fixed back up, um, which is really exciting. Yeah. There's a mantle that's made of, it's called gray marble, um, probably came from the colonial period. There was a um, a quarry in Willow Grove at the time. Um, when I say at the time, in the 1700s, that the very rich could have had a hold up so they would get giant blocks of this gray marble. Mm. And so we're pretty sure that the mantle for the fireplace is from that time period. Yeah, original. Yeah, I've seen the same gray marble at Fort Mifflin when you go up the steps in the Commandant's area. Okay. It looks like the same marble. So we're pretty sure that that goes back to the 1700s. That was actually vandalized at one point, and we found pieces of it. And the municipal building in Fieldsboro had pieces of it. Mm. So we had a mason actually put it back together make a couple of the missing pieces to blend in and 
now we have a fireplace again, which is really, yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's huge, too. That's pretty big, yeah, from it what is, I recall. It is yeah. a very big, big focal point of the room. It everyone, is. Everyone loves it. Yeah. Now, in the 1920s to the 1970s, that's when the Glanks owned the house, and they had turned it into a restaurant. And they called that room the Crystal Room. So if you look up, you'll see a crystal... Um, Chandelier. Yeah. Yeah, from the 1970s yeah. or earlier. It's yeah. a little rough looking, yeah. but as the ambiance yeah, to it the does. Room. It looks cool. I have seen pictures of someone who got married in the 70s. That was, that was their little banquet hall. Now when we see weddings, we have these gigantic, huge places. Yes. But back in the 50s and 60s and yeah, 70s, your weddings were very, very much smaller. Yeah. So I, I remember you said that there was a restaurant and things like that that were, over the course of time, have been in, in the mansion. And I remember when I was there having a similar thought where I was like, what? Like, I think, you know, in this day and age, we think of you've got your Ruby Tuesdays or Mm -hmm. your Applebee's or whatever, like a restaurant setting kind of chilies or something. It was like a restaurant in like a little like mansion like this. Like that seems so strange to me. But then I started to think, well, they didn't have places like that. So, you know. You where are you, you going to go? Right. Yeah. So I rooms, tried to yeah. imagine yeah. there being some tables in some of these rooms like that. And I was like, wow, that'd be a really like intimate little restaurant, you know? It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Glinks ran it for almost 50 years, right? Um, it was very popular. Everyone from uh, senators, congressmen, they all came there. It was very popular. Mm, high society. Yeah. I can't imagine there's a huge selection of restaurants back then. So it probably had a big draw, too. Yeah. And everyone liked it because it was off the beaten path. You know, down that long driveway, away from everything, quiet. Yeah, down yeah. by the river. Yeah. Had the river views. The trees weren't overgrown. It was very nice. Yeah, one of the things, when you go on the other side of... Okay, when you first walk into the house, there's there's the grand staircase. Yeah, There's that's the parlor nice. on the right. On the left is another room with a fireplace. The only other intact fireplace that we have in the house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there was a bar in that room. So there was a very small bar. It's not a big room. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still see on the wall where they used to hang up the glasses. On the other side of the wall, you can see what was left of what the beer tap that was there. Hmm. So that bar probably would have fit maybe eight people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little different to see because you're used to bars now. You know, hit 50 people. This is really, really small, like maybe five or six people. You're so, waiting in line to get a drink mm-hmm, forever. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. But everyone said it was a very high-end restaurant. It was the place to be. Yeah. Yeah, when my dad worked there, he said it, they were always busy. They were till like 3 o'clock in the morning cleaning up on Fridays and Saturdays. So. Right, yeah, your folks were involved. Yeah. Oh, my and God. that was in the 70s. So and We had a guy come on our tour not that long ago, and uh, he said his father was a dishwasher there, and the cook had called out the night that the governor was coming for dinner. And... He said he had, he's the one that had to make lamb chops for the governor, and he was so nervous. But he said 30 years later, he still talked about how the governor said it was the best lamb chops he ever had. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now, is that the room that had, like, the, the floors? Or am I thinking of a different room? There's so many rooms. The floors that have, like, different layers? Yeah, that's that's the old kitchen. Yeah, that's where the... 19... I know. When you said the floors, I'm like, yeah, yeah they all have floors. Yeah, we, <laughs> I know yeah, we started thinking about every floor. Whoa, floors. Yeah, that's, that's, Whoa. that's the room. They used it as the... Uh, the formal kitchen, you know, it had, uh, it looks a lot different now, but it would have had, you know, subway tile, twenties tiles. And that's where they had all their, um, commercial cooking stuff and stuff. So we actually had to, um, gut that room because the, the room above it was sinking and, uh, paranormal lockdown, actually the, the TV show that filmed there, mm-hmm. they actually gave us a, uh, a, 
a donation to actually fix that. So that's why that room looks a lot different now. Oh, okay. But yeah, okay. that was the formal kitchen. So that's where all the cooking would have took place. Okay. Now, is that where the... I'm jumping ahead here. Is that where there's the um, the other fireplace that has the tile? There's kind of a cool story behind that. Yeah. So if you go through the, the industrial kitchen, which is actually the 1723 house, and then you go on the upstairs, the first room is the sick room, which... Like I said, as a guess. But if you were sick back then before antibiotics, you wanted to be separated from the rest of the household. Yeah, you're so in quarantine you, lockdown. Sure. Yeah. You didn't want to infect everybody else. You might have had a nursemaid or somebody taking care of you. But, uh, you know, basically you don't want to infect everybody else if everybody lives that close together. Um, so we do know that Mr. Glink's grandson, who lives next door at the house, that, that used to be his bedroom throughout the 20s. And then... Kyle's dad said that that was actually the employee's break room. Yeah, that's right. what he said. He used to go up. There's a set of stairs. He used to go up the back stairs from the kitchen, and that was where they took break. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. So then the, the the room next to it, which I originally called the squishy room, because when you walk through it, the floor was very squishy. <laughs> it had big, thick 80s carpet. You didn't want to walk into the center of the room because you weren't sure if you were going to end up on the floor below <laughs> you. So you kind of walk around squishy, there. Squishy, yeah. Yeah, so we removed the carpet to make sure we didn't have any lead paint dust in any of the carpets. All the carpets are gone now. Wow. And we repaired the floor, so it's actually kind of cool. You can walk through the middle of the floor. During the restaurant years, the family actually lived in the house, and that was their master bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, the fireplace there has a couple tiles on there. The tiles in on that fireplace was made by... Joseph Mayer. Joseph Mayer, who owned Arsenal Pottery in Trenton. Now, he lived there with his wife, Mary, um, so there's still some samples of his pottery. He invented some new glazing techniques. You can even go on Pinterest and Google Joseph Mayer pottery or Arsenal pottery and see some of the examples of some of his work. Mm. Yeah, he had a very big operation in Trenton, him and his brother. Yeah. He was large. That was cool. So there's some of his like personal ones that he kept? Yeah, there's some original tiles in there. The, mm. the fireplace in the Crossy room is original, too. Yeah. That's yeah. some of his glazing techniques you can see. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was really interesting yeah. to see something still there. Yeah, that's one so... of the uh, only fireplaces that wasn't vandalized. So. It was the Dark. one, yeah, downstairs in the crossway room. Now, that room with the, um, well, the room that I called the squishy room is such an interesting room. It's a small room, so you can imagine if it was a master bedroom, it would be a little tight in there. Um, there was a closet with a staircase that went up to the attic and they closed off the staircase with a dumbwaiter door and put a toilet in the closet. So I guess that they wanted to have a bathroom in their master bedroom. Um, it's, okay. Yeah. I remember that area now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's decorated in a very interesting shiny silver and pink 1984 wallpaper, which is an interesting mm. style choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it also has the port, uh, window. porthole window that we think <sighs> is the ode to Thomas Reed. The naval office. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look for that next time. Okay. Yeah. It's a very interesting little closet there. Um, Behind the door on the other side, there was a sink. So they actually had the sink in their bedroom because they couldn't have fit a sink in with the toilet in the closet. Mm. Very strange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But when when you walk out that door and you step up and you're going, you're leaving the 1723 house and going back into the 1760 house. And that's when you enter the bloody bathroom. 
quite a name. Yes. <laughs> the bloody this yeah. is the this is the one with the tub, right? Yes. Is this yeah, where we're the, going? Okay. The famous tub. The everyone, famous tub. Everyone wants to sit in the tub. Yeah, the famous tub. I did it. I tried it out. Anything? Do you feel anything? Um, you know, I actually I'm going to say no, but only because people were walking through constantly the yeah. whole time I was there. So I think I didn't really have that That's, setting yeah. necessarily to really get into mm. it. There was just a lot of people roaming around at that at that particular moment. So I've done it twice. Um. No, that's not true. I've done it several times. I've only had something happen twice. But the first time, if you put an EMF next to it, that EMF will go off. Because right behind that hallway, something walks back and forth in there. Yeah, there's definitely a shadow person in that hallway. Now, I've had that shadow person stand next to me in the tub. And sometimes you don't see him, but you can you can feel his presence. It's just it's just weird in that hallway and... It's just, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy that breathed. Yeah, I, we think he's more of like a like a trickster kind of guy. Like he's not he's not trying to, you know, hurt you or anything. But he just likes he like get like scaring you. Likes, likes playing games. Yeah, he likes playing games. Probably, probably, yeah. probably. We um, hope. Yeah. So why is it called a bloody bat? I mean, that's a pretty. No, I'm not really buying this story, but I don't know. I mean, at first I thought it got its nickname because part of the trim is red. So people are making the association with red with blood. I've seen people who claim to see either a murdered person in the tub or blood in the tub, Jeez. even in the dark. Yeah, yeah, we've had a couple psychics come through and they kind of say the same thing. You know, we see blood in the tub or someone died in the tub, but we don't have no historical evidence. Right, to so back up something. You know, it's all hearsay. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Now, from 1914 to 1922, the house was abandoned. So when the last family left the house, and they sold it to somebody for a dollar. We don't know why. We don't know if there's a relation there. Mm. But the lady that owned the house never lived there. So if there was a murder, it would have happened between that time period. But the date of the tub doesn't really seem to match because the tub looks like it's from the 1920s and the Glink family would have been there. So... Mm, historically speaking, I'm not sure about that story. Yeah. So I don't know if it's people's imaginations or not, but hey, I don't know. Who am I to say? Maybe there was. Yeah, that's kind of cool. You're kind of doing some, like, investigating. Like, well, the tub doesn't match up, you know, and trying to figure, put the pieces together because over time the puzzle has been scattered. So you got to try to pull pieces where you can to, to have it make sense. That's really interesting. It you was, guys do that. It was pretty cool. The one uh, one of our events, we actually had a master plumber who came on one of our tours, and he was actually looking at the tub, and he said that that's from the twenties. So that kind of helped us maybe piece it together. Like, okay, well then that story really may not take place because we don't know if there was a tub here before the twenties. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things about the house up on the third floor, there's what's called a cistern way in the back of the house, and this basically what that is is an indoor water tower. And it was built in the 1860s. We know the date of the 1860s because it's on a railroad track. So in the attic, there's a railroad track with an indoor water tower. And so in the 1860s, they had indoor plumbing in that house. Yeah, yeah whoa. Gravity-fed yeah. plumbing. Yeah, this is that big, big, like, wood barrel mm-hmm. People always thing. think it's like, to yeah, make it wine. makes wine or yeah. something. No, that's yeah. not it. No. I have to admit, when I was there... Um, which we'll talk a little bit how you have to kind of creep down to get into that area. When I got back there, I'm looking with the flashlight and everything, and I saw something so large in the house, that big barrel, like I said, yeah, the water, yeah. water thing. And I was like, I was like, well, I was like, 
that room actually kind of freaked me out. I just sort of like looked in there a little bit. I was like, yeah, I'm not going in there. Yeah, that that when you look down, there's a lot of angles and a lot of places for light to really yeah. mess with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, next time you go down there, look at the door when you go into the cistern room because that door actually dates back to the 1720s. Okay. The latch dates back to the 1720s. So it's just amazing that 300 years of people live in there, and that's still a door from the 1720s. Right, right. There's not a nail in it, nothing. It's, like, perfect. Yeah. It's crazy. It's amazing. Some stuff uh, survives, and other Mm -hmm. things just disintegrate, or, like you said, vandalize, whatever. People change it, Some things, yeah. Some things stand the test of time. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, if you look on the outside of the house, the windows are original to the 1700s. The windowsills, you can still see... Like the wooden nails inside the windowsills itself. I mean, wow. the panes are different. Yeah. So the actual sashes have been changed throughout the years. But the windows itself actually date back to the 1700s. That's incredible. Think about how many winters and, yeah, it's, it's and really summers amazing. and storms and wind. You know, all the elements it's had to go through. It's still 300, yeah. 300 years almost. Yeah. That's I'm awesome. telling you, there's so many stories. We could be here like five hours telling stories throughout the house. Because it's just so amazing, you know. I mean, once you leave the bloody bathroom and you come around the corner, you go into like a, a larger room. Now that would have been the Glank's living room. Okay, so I that would have been okay. the last part of the house that was a, a private mm-hmm. when it was a public restaurant. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel so. I'm just gonna put that out there that this is where Annis Boudinay Stockton passed away. I think even if she was sick for a couple of weeks, she was a big hoo-ha. I just can't see her going back in that tiny sick room way the in the sick back. room. I just don't see it. Not going to the sick room. Yeah, I can't see it either. Yeah. I don't know what she died from. Yeah, we haven't found 1801, that 1801, I think she passed yeah. away. Yeah, I think 1801, yep. It's kind of cool, too, because we know um, from letters and stuff that all of her family actually came there before she died and saw her before she died. Hmm. So all the Stocktons came. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend who, um, she was actually pretty good as a sensitive. And the first time she came to the house, she sat in that room and she said, I just hear somebody crying. And she goes, I keep getting the name Julia. I keep getting the name Julia. Do you know anybody connected to the house named Julia? And at the time I said, no. Well, I got in touch with her last year and I said, you know who was Julia? Was Julia Stockton, who had married Benjamin Rush. And she had come to visit Annis before she passed away. So there was somebody named Julia who was crying in the house. Sure, the possible connection, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Putting the pieces together, yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy, too, how many big names in American history have come to the house. It's it's amazing. Thomas Paine lived in Bordentown at the time, and he was a close family friend. And, of course, Julia Rush, or, yeah, Julia was part of the family, and she was married to Benjamin Rush. But uh, because he was such an opinionated talker, when he passed away, he knew so much about the founding fathers because he was so close mm-hmm. to them. They actually pushed him out of history as much as they could because he just knew too much about everybody. Uh oh. Yeah. He had the dirt. Yeah. He had the dirt on Brush everybody. him under the rug. Yeah. But he had all the medical dirt. He was, he was actually a medical doctor. Okay. So he knew not only all their personal business and all their political business, he knew about all their medical business. He knew everything. Oh. And he kept prestigious notes. He was friends with John Adams and. George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, and he knew all. He knew all the dirt the on everybody. Names. Yeah. So now there was a room, or maybe two. I'm trying to remember here, where they were. Hmm, let's see, lack of better word, better words here. There was a 
an area where men could take mistresses and stuff. So did he know some of that dirt, or are we talking different eras here? I'm trying to get my sure, things sure. figured so out. We'll 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 jump right into the 1900s. So when the house was abandoned from 1914 to 1922, we're pretty sure that there was a bordello being run out. Of okay, so this is much later. Head. Okay, yeah, yeah okay, much much okay, much, much okay, okay. Get my eras confused here. Okay. The reason we know this is because when the Glinks bought the house in 1922, the beds were still up there. One of the beds is still there. It's still behind the cistern. Okay. I'm, I'm not touching it. Mm. So, I don't know. Is it part of history? It's kind of a gross history to me. Yeah. Because I don't think this was a fun time place. This isn't like a place you'd go in Nevada, you know, where prostitution right. was sure. legal. I think this was more of, yeah, not really a good place. Yeah, and not, so, not like a willing thing. Right. Now, does this directly correlate to those little tucked away rooms that were near the water tower? We believe so. Yeah, that's where the beds were found. So the history of that part, we don't know. We can only yeah. theorize what was going on during that time period. So there is what we believe to be a spirit of a lady back in the one area um, who's hiding in fear for mm. her life. Mm. I've heard a disembodied help back in that area, and a couple of people have picked it up on recorders. Mm. So exactly what the story is there is conjecture, but there's definitely something odd there. There's a door there that goes into, um, what would you call that, Kyle? Like a storage. Like, a, like an attic storage space, like unfinished. And yeah. it has a latch, and it kind of rubs against the wood, and you shut it tight, and it pops open all by itself. Yeah, it's actually popped open in front of me on a tour. Dawn was actually given a tour, and I saw it open a little bit, so I shut it and latched it. And, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds later, it just opened. Okay, and, yes, I know which one you're talking about. Okay. And it's, it's weird because I was standing right in front of it, and I didn't hear the latch turn or anything. It just opened right up. Oh. And I, I knew it was shut because I just shut it. So yeah, yeah. That was, that was one of the cooler experiences. And yeah, a yeah, lot that of is people pretty saw neat. it too because there was maybe 15 people on the tour so it was really cool that is pretty neat I was given a tour to a bunch of teenage girls which are is always an interesting um, <laughs> tour but as we were walking by that door it popped open and the girls screamed and they went in the other room I was like no nah, it's okay it's probably just a loose floorboard like it's no big deal don't get freaked out and then I brought them in the bigger part of the attic to start telling some of the history you know, closed the door, went in the big part of the attic. Everybody came in that room, and the door popped open again. I was like, yeah, I can't explain that. <laughs> Run! <laughs> whenever, whenever we leave the house, we always shut that door. Yeah. And then when we come back to open it up, the house again, yeah. that door is always open. It's, yeah. it's really bizarre. Yeah, it I, is strange. I've had a conversation with that spirit. Now, other than me just talking to air is the only interaction I've ever had, you know, if there is a spirit there. Yeah. But I've said, why don't you come out sometimes and get some sunshine? You're welcome to come out. You know, get her, get out of that dusty, dirty attic. Yeah, you don't come have on to out. hide anymore. Yeah, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but the door just opens up on its own. And if you go into that part of the attic, don't close the door behind you because if that latch hits, you're going to be locked in there because there's no latch on the other side of the door. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so right. There's no way yeah. for it to open from the inside. It's, it's, it's a really it bizarre door. I don't. I can't come up with a reason why it would open like Ooh. that. Yeah, I went in that room, but I did not. I didn't shut it. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you shut it, have a friend on the other side. Yeah, yeah. helpful hint. But there is also a. <laughs> we think there's a, a male spirit up in the attic. Like oh, is a, this a very the... a very stern one? I was just. Getting, is this the cranky guy? I remember you mentioning a cranky guy. Is this what we're talking a, about? Or is this a different dude? One in the basement. He's, well, I don't say he's cranky. He's just very. I think just stern. Just very dominant. 
personality. I've heard him many times, and I think he's intelligent because you can ask him for an answer, and he'll give you one if he's in the mood. So um, we had we had a, a volunteer who was he was seventeen, and he claimed to see dead people. He was sensitive, oh. and he volunteered with us for a couple of years. So he went off to college. You know, he's a good kid. And uh, we were given a tour, about 10 people. We went up in the attic and we're standing near that door. And he just looked at me and he goes, I hate it up here. (laughs) And between me and him, about three feet apart, we heard, (laughs) (laughs) and he looked at me and he goes, I'm going downstairs. I'm like, well, I'll finish the tour. Bye. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. But that's not the first time. I've heard so many different voices in there. We were given a tour and we were in the bordello part. And one of the guests on the tour said, how do you ghost hunt? And I basically said, well, you turn off the lights, you sit in the dark, you ask questions and see what happens. Yeah. She was, can we do it? I said, sure. So she's like, turn your flashlights off. Everyone turn your flashlights off. She goes, go ahead. So I just asked a couple questions and at first nothing happened. Mm. And I looked at her, I said, do you want to go in the other room? And we were about two feet apart right next to each other. And the most exaggerated breath I've ever heard was right between us. And it was like, It was so exaggerated. The oh, hair. I got the creeps. Oh, That's crazy. My neck stood up. She looked at me. She goes, I'm done now. <laughs> no, one, no one else heard it, though. And it was so loud between the two of us. And yeah. everybody else was only feet from each other. It's a small space in there. Right. We were the only two people that heard it. it and like weird. you said, such so an exaggerated. Strange. Yeah. So it was somebody clear, messing around. Yeah. Like, hey, you want to hear something? I'll give you something. Yeah, it's weird because we get a lot of re- reports like that sometimes that two people or three people hear it and the other group doesn't. So I'm like, don't. sometimes I'm like wondering like, do they just want these people to hear them and not yeah. anyone else? I, I don't know, but it's weird. Cause we do get that sometimes. These darn tooting ghosts playing yeah. games. on people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just grateful when somebody else heard it. Anybody else. Sure. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I was given a tour just a couple weeks ago and half of the tour, we were coming from the attic to the speakeasy down the basement. Oh yeah. Speakeasy. Ha- half the tour ran in front of me. And the other half was behind me. And as I was turning the corner from the second floor to go to the first floor, mm-hmm. something was off. And I just kind of stopped dead. And I was looking at, it's a, it's a small room. We call it the nursery. Um, in probably during the restaurant time, it was next to the women's bathroom. If you were the bride, you would have gotten ready for your wedding in that place. So it's kind of like a little dressing room. It's very okay. small. But I had no, I turned the light on and the light was off. Uh. But it was not just off. It was, even with the lights off, you could still see walls and floors. It was blacker than black. I mean, it was black. And it was only three feet from me. And I just stopped dead. And I was just staring at it. Because then I'm like, all right, the light's not working. Well, why does it still look weird? And then all of a sudden, this thing moved. And it was a giant black mass. And as it moved, I could see the light behind it. So it wasn't like the light was off and came back on. The light was behind this big black mass and came into focus after it moved. And I just stood there. And by the time you kind of process what happened, it's gone. It's over. So there's no point in being scared or you don't even have time. No, you really don't. And all I did was like look around going, anybody else see that? And nobody was on the floor with me. We're still waiting for the people to stop taking their pictures from the attic and come down. And the other group was already down in the basement. So yeah, it was cool. I mean, I'd been there nine years and I finally saw the shadow guy. So it's kind of excited. That's an unbelievable experience. About a month later, I saw a shadow too down in the, uh, 
down in the sick room. We were given a tour, and I was kind of just following and kind of corralling people so they, you know, move along on the tour. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to go back into the sick room because we moved to the to the squishy room right next to it. And I, said, I'm just I love sure, all the names. It's great. Let me, let me make sure no <laughs> one's, uh, you know, hanging around so we don't get lost. And I just tucked my head in there, and like she said, it was blacker than black in the corner. Like, I couldn't oh, see the God. corner of the wall, and I saw the silhouette of like head a side of a head and a shoulder and it it almost looked like it was standing at me and like like she said I, you don't even have time to process it and i was like well that doesn't make sense because it can't be a shadow because it's not on the wall or on the back wall it's freestanding in the room and then oh man it was yeah. gone so it's one of those things where you're like do you think to yourself like oh am, am i just like freaking out or did i like you know yeah like when just I, see something that wasn't real or are you like no, no, no! I saw what I saw. One of those kind of things. It's I, I one of those. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really say anything to anyone because I was just processing. I'm in the room, like what, that, trying to eliminate what it could be. Sure, like and you second guess yourself. Go, no, no, it couldn't have been. Your brain recognizes it so quickly that it's like, yes, there's something there. Oh wow! Like, it, it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, but I can't tell you how many times I've been to the house going, I saw what I saw. Mm-hmm. I know what I saw. Yeah, you right, know, I'm not right. crazy. You know when when you really see something, yeah. like you just do. Right, because you don't, you know, you don't want to be one of those people. It's like every little thing could mm-hmm. be something. You want to debunk some stuff, you know. Up that wasn't that creek was, you know, we have a window that the wind blows or whatever. Yeah. But when you do see something, you, I know what I saw, kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not as common as people think. I mean, some people come into Ghost Hunt and they think, you know, things are going to levitate and doors are going to slam, <laughs> and they just go on watching way too much TV. I mean, right, if you're right. on. If you're on a hunt and one small thing happens, that's a good thing. That's yeah. that's yeah. a good hunt. It's like know? hours of boredom with, you know, moments of sheer excitement. Yeah. It's the best way to describe it. I mean, the coolest thing is it, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when, no you, warning. when you least expect something to happen, that's when it happens. Like when I saw that shadow, I didn't expect to see anything ever. Yeah. And I just peeked my head in there and I'm like, oh, there's a person standing there. Yeah. You could have. Sat there for eight hours, yep. nothing happened. Just happened to turn around that corner, and boom, there it was. Real All quick. the equipment known to man, and yeah, maybe you surprised that shadow yeah. guy, like he was didn't expect you to. I think come that around or something. A lot of times, I think they follow us around on our tour. I mean, that's the vibe I get because I think they like hearing about themselves. Because a lot of the stuff that happens, yeah, is when we have a group of people walk through and we're telling the stories, and it just seems like they're just kind of like following you around, like, oh, okay, you're doing it right, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Reliving their history. Doing it wrong. Yeah, I just want to know what the secrets are. You know, that's not true. Sometimes so much we don't know. Sometimes when when I go in the house, I I kind of ask like, "Hey, are we are we getting the history right? Is there anything we're missing? Haven't got a response yet, but I always ask. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Do you like what we're doing? You know. So let's shift gears down to the basement, the speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the speakeasy and then that tunnel. I don't know if you know anything about that tunnel. The tunnel's kind of yes. creepy, but the speakeasy. Um, the speakeasy is everyone's favorite place to be. It's Everyone very unique. It. I'll tell you that. It's it's super unique. And and even for the house, it's unique. Um, anywhere it's unique. But you go down there and all of a sudden you're like transported into like a different time and era. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, immediately. Yeah. It's like, whoa, where did I just step into? Yeah, it's really interesting. When um when Heinrich Link bought the house in 1922, one of the first things he did was dug down three feet in the basement and built the speakeasy. So, of course, it was during Prohibition. So, um, from what I understand, he used to make moonshine in the bloody bathroom. He used to store <laughs> liquor up in the attic and then use the tunnels that went from the basement to the river and then make shipments up and down to Delaware. Now, we know this because he got caught. Mm-hmm. So there was a newspaper article about it. Um, oh, okay, okay. 
what happened from there i don't know you yeah. gotta if if you think about that there were a lot of politicians that visited the restaurant i can't believe you got into too much trouble i'm sure yeah. slap on I, the wrist done yeah yeah you know the the speakeasy was called the basement and you had to be invited to the basement during prohibition and from what i understand it was the worst kept secret in town <laughs> no everyone knew about it you know it was just that's what you did back then it's a fascinating room. It's got like wood paneling. Yeah, it's mostly original too from the 20s. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Wood paneling. There's like a little bar there. You guys had some cool pictures that look like it was, you know, people at the bar there. Like yeah. Old can time. I tell you a secret yeah. about those pictures? Yeah. Yeah. I Googled them off the internet and went to the dollar store and got picture frames. So here's the best part about that. Because we have Roaring 20 parties down there. Yeah. So if you really want to stir some cool stuff up, um, play Roaring 20s music and go down mm. there and dress up and... We've had a lot of very interesting interactions by doing that. Yeah, that was the one spot when I, I've only been to the White Hill Mansion once. That was the one spot where something happened that was a little a little different. I can't quite explain it. Um, I'm forgetting what the meter was. It's one of those ones um, uh, that has the lights that light up on it. It goes over, over top. Uh, I want to call it. It's not like a REM pod, but... Um, I know you're thinking about. I can't. It's, think it's of a paralogic something or other. Par- was it a periscope or something? I think so. It? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. And it was. We were sitting in that little that little nook in the back corner. That little nook. That little oh, round, the little table, round there. table. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, it can get pretty active back in. That yeah. Spot. That's where we yeah. went back there, and I brought over the cards because you guys had some cards mm-hmm. out there, and I was like, anybody want to play a game of poker or something? I was trying to get somebody interested, and we were sitting there, and, and you know, not too much was really going on. We were just sort of hanging out, chatting. I think there were four of us down there, my wife and two other people. And I've never seen that those scopes go off ever in any of the ghost ones I've ever been on. And it went off and then it like, because it could move across Mm -hmm. the lights and it moved and like stopped at me and then it was gone. And it never went off. It never went on again. And I like, I like, I like stop and I went. Did anybody see that just point at me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's some. Uh, that's that's all I saw, but it was something. Yeah. It was something. There's some crazy activity down there. Um, we've been down there, and we've had a uh, one of the tables. We've had three um, K2 set up, and two of them were going off, and the one in the middle wasn't doing anything. So I was like, okay, that's a little weird. So yeah. then we started talking about like the history of the house, and whenever we brought up like a big name, like I mentioned Richard Stockton Jr., mm-hmm. pow, they all lit up red. Oh, all three. okay. Like, it was crazy. And then uh, everyone was getting excited, and I said, you know, I'd be really excited if all three of those meteors flew off the table, and they all lit up red again, like, instantly. Wow. So, it was, it was pretty You're cool. hearing what you're saying. Yeah, so I, I think they kind of, there's definitely intelligent spirits in the basement, I think. That was neat. Now, I also went behind the bar there, just to kind of get, like... Have you heard the stories? I just wanted to feel, like, what it would be like to... Giving out drinks there and music playing. No, what were you saying? What was it? Well, there are a couple of stories about um, something behind the bar not liking people behind the bar. Okay, I won't go behind the bar anymore. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, but we kind of figured out it's just me. Yeah, it's definitely just Dawn. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, no um, female bartenders allowed. It's weird because we've had other females go back there to try to like test the theory. Sure. And nothing really happens. It's just when Dawn goes back there. Yeah. I mean, I've been down in the basement by myself and just had a feeling of get out now. Mm. You know, there's times you go in the house and it's fine. But every now and then, you just feel very unwanted. Mm -hmm. And I usually feel that way when I go down in the basement by myself. So I had gotten into the habit of always taking somebody with me. Not necessarily because I was scared, but just to have a witness 
just in case. Use the buddy system. Yeah. Use the buddy system. Absolutely. So we were doing an event up in the river room and I needed a screwdriver. So I said to Austin, I said to Debbie, can you come down with me for a second? I want to look for a screwdriver. So I ran behind the bar and I had leaned over a cord to get to a drawer to look for a screwdriver. And one the vase that was sitting on the bar almost hit my head. Like I just hear a bam and I look and the vase was on the floor. And I looked up and I go, what just happened? And the two of them were texting on their phone and they both looked up and they're like, what? So neither one of them saw it Mm -hmm. happen. I'm trying to figure out that I hit the cord, that I knock it over. No matter how many times I try to figure out how this thing came flying across the bar, you know, I know I didn't hit the cord. And even if I hit the cord, it just falls over. It doesn't fly across the Mm -hmm. bar. Yeah. That was odd. That was very odd. And then last year I was given a tour and I was so happy because I had a brand new beaded necklace that I got on this cruise and I had my little name tag on it. And I was like, oh, look at me with my fancy little necklace on. (laughs) And I was given a tour to 15 people behind the bar. And while I'm telling the story about the bar and, and the speakeasy and prohibition, I can feel a pull in the back of my neck. Like my back of my neck is hurting. And then I feel pressure on it. And then all of a sudden, the necklace exploded off my neck and the beads went flying. I'm trying not to let anyone panic. So I'm trying to be real cool. I'm you know. panicking. That I, sounds insane. Well, you know, I'm a mom of three boys. Wow. So, you know, when you're bleeding, you got to stay calm at all times. So, yeah. you know, beads are flying around the room and I'm just keeping it cool. And I just keep talking and I'm, you know, kind of gathering the beads while I'm talking. That's one lady's like, um, excuse me. Yeah. What, what just happened there? And so, you know, I was honest. I said, I don't know. I said, I could feel pressure on my neck, but I thought maybe, maybe it got caught on a nail and I pulled back and it ripped off my neck. And she goes, oh, honey, you didn't move. Mm-hmm. That thing just like exploded off of you. So it was probably cool to see from their point of view. Yeah. You know, from my point of view, it was a little strange. Yeah. But, um. It's like paranormal yeah. activity stuff. Really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really weird. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then the last time I gave a tour, as soon as I walked behind the bar, a couple of things that were on the shelf fell over. And then I was like, well, maybe it was on the edge. If you go back there, it's real solid. So yeah, it it's is. It's not like it's yeah. wobbly. You know? No, I didn't well, feel wobbly, no. Yeah, so whatever. I just kept talking. And then while I was talking, the shot glass that was behind me just fell over, rolled, and fell behind me and smashed. And oh. I was like, well, that's just part of what happens when I come up behind the bar, I guess. I don't know. That's very weird. So whatever's there doesn't like me. We've had <laughs> sensitives give me names. But I've never heard anyone give me the same name. So I've gotten Joey and Edward and Tommy and Tony and Jeff. And it's just. It's the crew. It's yeah. the crew that would hang out yeah. or something yeah. down yeah. there. So either they all hate me or no one's gotten the name right. I'm not really quite yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. But if you've gone on the other it's side. the regulars. <laughs> yeah. So there's two parts of that bar. So you have the speakeasy and then you have like. The unfinished part on the other side. Yes. And that's a whole different yeah. thing going on over on that side. Yeah, that was weird with the kind of... The, the old wine cellar back yeah, there. Yeah. And that's yeah. where the uh, the tunnel from the 1700s would have been. Yeah. And you just yeah. say, like, the tunnel, 1700s. Yeah. People were, are instantly going to be like, whoa. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. there's something that it, goes along with that. Well, here, if you think about it this way, you didn't have a Wawa back in the 1700s. So most of your goods would have come through the river. That was the, the main way to travel. Yeah. And it would have been con- considered unbelievably rude and unheard of to have your servants carry food through the front door. And it would have been more practical to just come through a tunnel than up the hill, over the lawn, in the house. You know, straight shot. 
Right. So they would have had a dock on the other side because the, the house sits right on the river. Mm-hmm. So their goods would have come through the river to the dock and their servants would have brought it up through the dock, probably through the tunnel, you know, through that way. So if you think about it that way, it's very practical. Right. If right. we think of oh creepy tunnel, yeah, like ugh. something nefarious for them, happening. Like, yeah. yeah, for them this was just a, a matter of normal life. life. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What it was used after that time period, we don't really know. Um, we do know that during prohibition, liquor was run through the tunnels to get to the river. Yeah, to, why not? Yeah, use their Claire, shipment. Yeah, yeah, let's use it. So we think probably sometime through the fifties and sixties, the tunnels started disintegrating. Um, there were additions off the house during the restaurant time that have since collapsed, probably because the tunnel started collapsing. So, of course, it's all gone and all filled in now. So the only thing that we have left of that is where the tunnel entrance was. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, which is blocked off now. Yes. Yeah, it's all blocked off. Yeah, but we're pretty sure our cranky shadow guy, that's where he kind of hangs out. He's not very social. Oh, wow. He makes the rounds. He goes up and down. One of the cool things, if you go back in there with a group and take pictures... Sometimes you get an extra face in there. So I don't know if it's him, <laughs> yeah. but I've seen a couple pictures with an extra face and I'm the first one to debunk a photo. Yeah. Um, you know, you're a matrix thing. You're looking at peeling paint. You're mm-hmm. seeing something that's not really there. Um, but I've seen a couple that went, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah, but it definitely, you can tell when, if it's him, he, when he comes around in the basement, because the whole energy changes in that basement. Like we've been down there playing, um, 20s music meters are going off and it's like you feel kind of not happy but it's like nothing is mean or everyone's just kind of coming in seeing what's going on and then it it changes and it gets dark like one time we were sitting down there and you know how when you you sit in the dark you know you kind of get your night vision kind of can see each other sort of Mm -hmm. well i was sitting right next to another tour guide and it just got black i couldn't see her anymore and the whole vibe just changed and everyone started to get freaked out and then all of a sudden it just lifted again and we can Ooh. see each other again and we left after that but it was weird how it just shifts like that and it's, it's i i think it's the the spirit over there that just says like all right you guys can go now i've had enough. go away yeah, yeah. Like you said when you least expect it like mm-hmm. what where did that come from yeah and it's it's not like a like a like i'm gonna get attacked or something it's just like uncomfortable yeah go yeah. away like very uncomfortable i need my space now you've been here enough wow so it's it's cool and like sometimes when i have to shut the lights off sometimes i can go right down there no problem. It's just the old basement. Just shut the lights off. And then sometimes you like it's almost like I physically can't go into the old part of the basement. Like it's just like, nope, you stay over there. So oh it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a different vibe over there. It's on weird, that but side. it like changes. It's like, oh my, you don't want no one over here today. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Yeah, I've had that happen too, where I couldn't, I physically could not yeah, cross that threshold. Is, are you talking about right by where there's like that old telephone? Yep. Okay. Yeah, right there. It's just like it's almost like a barrier. Like yeah, just, I was like, checking out that phone. Yeah. Just know. Yeah. How many times do you see a pay rotary phone, right? I, I know. That's and one I, of my favorite things there. I must have walked past it quite a few times uh, going from that the tunnel area to the speakeasy. And then I noticed my flashlight. I was like, whoa, anybody else see this? I was like, that's an insane old phone. Yeah. I love when that's I give cool. tours to teenagers. I'm like, yeah, how'd you make a call on that? <laughs> They'll never figure it out. There's no, no enter. They can't even There's figure no out sign. a regular landline. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. By the way, if you guys hear like some deep rumblings going on in this recording, it's not any ghost or paranormal activity. It's my three-year-old <laughs> daughter running up and down the hallway right above where we're recording. So if that's creeping in. Don't be don't be fooled by that. So uh, what else we got here? Guess we could talk about the restoration project, right? I guess we can. So one thing I want to say that everybody that works at White Hill Mansion is a volunteer base. Mm-hmm. So we're one hundred percent volunteers. 
every single penny that we raise for every single event that we run goes toward the restoration project. I got to imagine this is a pretty large project too. Yeah, it's pretty a big building. Yeah. Yeah. So anybody listening, if you happen to hit the lottery, <laughs> please see us. Please <laughs> <laughs> come be, be friends with us. Gracious. Um, yeah, so we have several uh, events coming up soon. So okay. for Halloween, we have our big flashlight tour nights on the 19th and the 25th. Um, you just come. It's $15 a person. Uh, basically, we're going to give you a candle. We're going to walk through the house in the dark and tell you all these stories in person. So I cannot tell you how many times people will have experiences yeah. During these tours, this is no one jumps out at you. We don't have props. This is an Eastern State Penitentiary. This is just the real deal. Just yeah. walking through, and if something happens, it happens. Yeah, hope you make it. The cool thing about podcasts is that people can listen to it at any time. So this is going to be up for a long time. So every October, I would every imagine October. you guys have different, yep. every yep. year, something new, something different's going on, fun yeah, stuff. We do paint parties, we do lectures. Um, right now, we're developing. Um, an educational program. So we hope to be announcing that soon. Uh, we hope to be starting a lecture series in the spring. Um, so we do a lot more than ghost hunts. Oh, so this is more than just October. This is a year round. Yeah, absolutely. Year round. Yeah, and, we're and trying we, to build upon all of our programs. Yeah, expand. We, we have ghost hunts all year long. I mean, the house isn't just haunted during October. The house is always <laughs> That's haunted. It, yeah. Yeah. It's so, haunted at 10 a.m., 3 p.m., 11 p.m. It's always haunted. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You guys do it during the winter season too, when it's chilly. You got still yep. people yeah, come yeah, through. Booked all the way to February as of right now. So yeah, real ghost hunters just wear layers. Yeah, they're not going to let a little Get bit of some cold hand stop warmers. Them. Yeah, hats, yeah. mittens. Yeah. Have at it. Yep, I have no sympathy for ghost hunters who are cold. Just put on some layers and get in there. Bailey, That's what there the for. ghosts don't mind. <laughs> no, no, they don't apparently. So if people are interested in checking it out for a tour or reading history or whatever, it's Whitehill Mansion, and you guys have a website, emails? Whitehillmansion.com. There's a contact form in there that goes right to our email, which is whitehillinfo at Mm. gmail.com. We always monitor it. We try to get to everyone within 48 hours to answer their questions if they want to. If they want to book their own ghost hunt, if um, they're interested more about the history, if they want to come on our tours, we have open house tours the last Sunday of every month between one and three. Mm. So we just basically focus on the history for those for the most part. Um, And it's also appropriate for people who don't like to come in the dark. (laughs) Um, We have a brand new park around the house, which is amazing. So if Uh anyone's ever visited the house before, you know that you had to avoid about 40 potholes down the driveway while it's paved. Oh, okay. We now have a walkway with picnic benches that go around the house. And you can see the river. There's still too many trees in the way, but, you know, in theory, someday we'll get some of those trees down a little bit and have yeah. a better view of the river. But we are getting there. We are also starting another project. It was actually a grant that was approved probably like five, six years ago. That takes a very long time for restoration. But within the next several weeks, we're going to start um, restoring some of the Victorian woodwork in the front of the house. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's really exciting. So when you say, yeah, the front of the house looks a little rough, yeah, hopefully it'll look a little less rough in well, time. Well, I think that it kind of adds to the charm yeah, and the a, whole mystique of the building and everything is... Yeah, it's a know. little more raw. People like that. Yeah. You 
Yeah. 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 Well, when you got critters like, coming in and the wood's yeah. rotting, it's like not cool. Yeah, that's also uh, definitely yeah. an issue. Yeah. The floor is falling through. Yes. We got to get that fixed, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, structurally, the, the house is what well, is good. Mm. You know, so it's aesthetics and keeping the critters out. Mm-hmm. And someday we'll update our electricity and maybe one day we'll have plumbing. Which yeah. Would, well, well, I don't know if I'll live that long, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. One step at a time, right? Yep. Chaga. Yeah. That's, All right. So that's White Hill mansion.com you got it cool yeah. and we're on facebook too friends of white hill mansion oh yeah facebook yeah, yeah a lot of one. our and our instagram friends of white hill mansion um yeah a lot of our um events are on facebook too so okay easy to find good them place there. yeah yes. good meeting up place yeah. yeah so after halloween we kind of wrap up our public events um so we need a break and then yeah we'll yeah start, <laughs> you know but we like i said we do do ghost hunts year-round so we do public hunts we try to do at least one public hunt a month so if you don't have a group and you want to come check it out and see what it's like, yeah. um, check it out. Because we're, we're working on our 2020 schedule right now. And, um, you know, and then we'll start with our paint parties and our craft stuff and our lectures, hopefully by April. And then we run from April right until next October. Awesome. Keep them busy. Definitely. Always. Now, you guys have also been featured on some different television programs. Just tell us a little bit about stuff that you've been on that maybe people... Could if they wanted to try to watch something, maybe they could find. You know? Sure. About four years ago, we were on Paranormal Lockdown. Okay. Uh, with Nick and Katrina, so that was really cool because that was our 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 first big episode on TV. We've done um, Ghost Detectives. We were on there. We did something for PBS called This Is South Jersey. So that was a really neat piece. It was half history, half ghost hunt, which was kind of fun. It's perfect. That's what the true story is. Yeah. So we did an episode of Psychic Kids, and I don't know if that one's aired yet. But we have done Most Terrifying Places for the Travel Channel, which will air October 22nd at 10 p.m. So that one's coming up, too. So that's a big one. Very cool. Yeah. So when we filmed that, it was about, what, 95 degrees outside that day? It was one of those really hot days this summer. (laughs) See you guys sweating. Yeah, yeah, watch me sweat on national TV. (laughs) But we retell some of the stories, and they acted out, and... So. They do their little recreations and they stuff, do. probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was like a fifteen-hour shoot, and uh, ninety-five degree. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was, fun, it was brutal. Fun. It was brutal. Yeah. yeah, but there's no way that you can shoot with somebody for fifteen hours and not be all best friends by the end of the day. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun doing it. It's cool. That sounds like a great experience, yeah. and it's good exposure for the building and for yeah. for you guys too, trying to help restore it and stuff. Yeah, and um, you know what? If the Lizzie Borden can be famous, and if Eastern State Penitentiary can be famous. We can be famous too. So absolutely, you, know. you got the name White Hill Mansion. That's it's it's right. perfect. That's right. So it's perfect. You know, give it time. I hope that. Um, I mean, being famous for being haunted is great, but I think it's a great way to introduce the history because the history is the most important yes. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason that this building is so important is because what happened during the Revolutionary mm-hmm. War. Mm-hmm. And what has happened since then, there's so many stories throughout the history that I haven't had time to tell. So there's so much more to learn. And as we go through the project, we're also developing more exhibits and more ways to express that history and how to interpret each of the rooms to each of the different eras throughout the 300-year history of the house um, is always a challenge for us. So in 2020, 
three, it's going to be our 300th anniversary. Holy smokes. Yeah. So right now we are working on a way to have a big celebration yeah. for that year for our 300th birthday. Big hoopla. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And in 2026, it is the anniversary of the Revolutionary the, War. Is it the 250th? Or Yes, that yes. is correct. Yeah. So we're also working with Crossroads to the American Revolution on developing a program for the 250th anniversary of the American Revolution. Wow, that's great stuff. You guys are busy. Yeah, yeah. we're always busy. We don't sleep. No. That's, no. Mm-mm. You guys are going to end up being ghosts in the mansion one day. Probably. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. I will haunt everybody who comes in there. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's that's one of the coolest <laughs> things that, I mean, for me, like when people come through, they come through for the ghost hunts and the paranormal. And then once you tell them the history and start going through it, they completely switch from being there for paranormal to they're just amazed by the history. And I Mm -hmm. think that's like the coolest thing for me. Yeah. 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 And how can you be a good ghost hunter if you don't understand what was there before you? Yeah. And if you see something, how do you understand what you say if you don't know what happened when people live there? Right. Right. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Everything you said has been super interesting. I I really, yeah. I've really enjoyed having you guys on here today. Thanks for making the, what was it? Five-minute trip from Fieldsboro yeah. to boarding yeah. town. <laughs> Thanks for coming all the way down to the studio to record. I really appreciate it. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thanks for having us. Yes, oh, absolutely. Thank you. No, not a problem. And if you guys ever want to come back, I know you guys said there's a lot more stories and and history that we didn't even touch upon. So in the future, you guys ever want to come back, the door is always open. You're welcome cool. to come back anytime, and we'll keep discussing more about the White Home Mansion. Thanks all for right. being here, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Don and Kyle really have so much information that they were able to share with us, and they have a lot more, so maybe we'll have them back on in the future. Um, I would definitely love to have that fascinating conversation and a really, really interesting building that they are involved with. So again, I appreciate them coming on the show. If you guys want to send me a question about the White Hill Mansion or anything else, send it to philinterrupted at gmail.com. You guys know the drill by now. And uh, that's pretty much it. So we're going to wrap it up here. We're making moves here on Phil Interrupted. And we will catch you next time. Peace out.